Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today I'm joined by two special friends of the show. First, we have Paulo Alves, who is the crypto editor at InfoMoney, which is one of Brazil's leading financial media publications. And we also have João Zekin, who is one of the founders of Fuse Capital, a Web3-focused VC out of Rio. So today we'll be, we'll be discussing the Digital Real, which is a central bank digital currency being developed by the Brazilian Central Bank. And now last week we had an episode with Gustavo Cunha, where we discussed the Digital Real pilot that was launched recently and the central bank's track record of successfully implementing these transformative projects. But this is such a big topic that I wanted to bring in a couple of different viewpoints to discuss what this new infrastructure might look like. Uh, there's a lot of fancy language being thrown around here, like tokenizing financial systems and programmable money and EVM compatibility. And uh, these are terms we hear a lot in crypto circles, but not so much from central banks. So this is quite novel in that respect. So today we're going to discuss a bit more of these ideas and how they might kind of impact the Brazilian financial system and perhaps even beyond. So before we jump in, let's do a couple quick intros. Paulo, why don't you give us a little background on yourself? Okay, great. Well, first, thank you, Aaron, for having me again here. It's, it's an honor for me. So, yeah, I, I'm a journalist at Infomani. So we cover, uh, we started covering crypto more, more, uh, more broadly since I, I don't know, maybe uh, more, a little more than a year now. So we've been really focusing on, on Real Digital in, in the recent weeks. Uh, we've been following that, and I've been covering crypto since. 2015, I guess I didn't didn't buy Bitcoin. Everyone asked me about that. Didn't buy Bitcoin at that time. But then I started to to focus more on on crypto coverage, mainly since the March 2020 crash. So yeah, it's been a really you know long long road since then. And now yeah, I'm now I'm in for money. We're just looking at everything crypto and real digital. As we're talking, we're gonna talk uh, furthermore. Really, you know has a really intersection with with all, all this crypto thing so yeah it's one of the our main topics right now great great yeah never a dull moment right um and over to you joel what's uh what's your story yeah no first aaron a uh, pleasure to be here especially joined by paulo such a great name in uh covering crypto locally in brazil so um i have a large history in crypto i've invested in bitcoin since 2012 was part of the the ethereum kind of ico And then um, when we established Fuse Capital, we were trying to innovate the, the money management business. And we did the first uh, ICO or STO of a, of a venture capital fund uh, in the region, Latin America. And uh, we are entirely now crypto focused. Uh, we take a look at about 2,000 companies per year, invest in about five. And, uh, and we're constantly trying to innovate the money management business. I think this is super important because it takes us not just as an investor, but as a, a kind of entrepreneur mindset, trying to figure out the future of, my, of money management through crypto, right? So we're developing a couple of products on that side, but uh, it'll be a pleasure to discuss the CBDC. And I think we are in an exciting time in Brazil where the central bank is really trying to innovate and, and bring uh, novel technologies to, to the, the monetary system, right? So it's a pleasure to be part of this discussion. Amazing. Um, so, Paulo, why don't we get started with you? So you've been covering this, as you mentioned, as a journalist for, for some time now. It's one of your key areas. Um, why don't you kind of give us an overview, at least from your vantage point, um, you know, what is, what is sort of the central bank's like main objectives here? Like, what are they looking to accomplish 
with with uh, the Rail Digital, and, uh, and we'll kind of go into like what what really makes this design unique here. But what are sort of the main objectives that they're looking to accomplish, and and what sort of strikes you as most novel about this uh, from your editorial perspective? Sure. So yeah, as um, many many CBDCs projects around around the globe just focus a lot on on payments, right? So you have uh, China trying to to overtake this this uh, dual poly, dual poly in in the payment digital payment sector. You have many more CBDCs just trying to to issue their own uh, digital currency just to try to make people make digital payments and and bring more people to the to the bank, banking system right so but in brazil you have uh, you have a little bit of a uh, uh, turnaround here because brazil is a very uh, uh, it's a third country but you have you have very uh, fast in uh, digital inclusion right so people brazilians like technology a lot so and, and for example pix is just a, a, such a success story uh, bank the central bank launched pix just a, f- a few uh, years ago and it's just so so ubiquitous right now so people just are trying are already using more picks than credit cards and debit cards in many many cases right now so uh bringing people to digital payments not really a problem in brazil right now so the main focus of the, of the cbdc is just trying to bring new products to to uh, to people and for example just trying to uh, create new tokenized assets and just trying to uh, include people in the financial system to through this to digitalization. So the CBDC project in Brazil is not focused on payments because PIX already solves that problem. And it really focuses on this new co- concept of the programmable money, right? Which is already a lot known to the crypto enthusiasts. So we have... Ethereum is is a lot about that, right? So central bank is uh, publicly being inspired by Ethereum, just trying to to create a centralized ver- version of uh, all the innovation in in the crypto sector, mainly in, inside Ethereum, to uh, the Brazilian population. So the CBDC project in Brazil, the real digital focus right now, is just to create innovative financial products to the population. So I guess this just summarizes and makes the reality digital really uh, different from other global projects because as Gustavo just said on your last show, um, the this makes real digital um, like a hybrid between a wholesale and retail uh, CBDC, right? So yeah, it's unique in that point. Some of the country, some other countries are trying to, to create CBDCs wholesale and retail but they they are usually two different projects and they are in a in really early stages you know so uh in south africa for example you have uh, a, a really early stage project that are retail and wholesale but they're really just trying to understand what how how you can combine those those two things and it seems to me that central bank just found a perfect match um between you know, combining CBDC with stable private stable coins, just to try to combine these these two concepts. Yeah, and when I first read about the design, uh, I think you know, in, in one of Fabio Arujo's talks, or or in one of the as the you know, there was more reports coming out about how the they were designing this. It was really kind of mind. I mean, once you've been in crypto for like long enough, it's hard to have like your really your mind like really blown by anything, right? <laughs> you've kind of seen everything, but it was the whole idea of okay, the the digital reality itself will be used as a wholesale. 
uh, for settling wholesale transactions between banks and the central bank. And then, you know, the, the and then banks will be allowed to issue their own sort of private, you know, central uh, private stable coins pegged to the real uh, against tokenized bank deposits, essentially, um, was really kind of like, wow, like that, that seems like it hits the nail on the head as far as how do you kind of unlock the benefits of this without just disintermediating the existing banking system, right? Because if, if everybody just has a retail account at the central bank, then why do you need like, you know, regular banks, right? So, or, or commercial banks. So, um, Joao, we'd love to get your thoughts on what do you find just sort of mo- most unique and innovative about this, about this design? And um, and would love to kind of get into a discussion about like what new types of, of products could we be unlocking here I mean, obviously, there's there's efficiency gains with certain things that you can unlock with uh, with you know flu, uh, more fluid flows of capital. But I think the exciting thing about about asset tokenization and, and the ability to tokenize things in this context means that there's just new products that can be unlocked that wouldn't have existed otherwise. So I'd love to kind of get your your sort of uh, stream of thinking on these topics here. Yeah, just to, to I think iterate what what Paolo just said, like uh, Brazil has once one of the most advanced financial systems in the world, right? Uh, we talk to companies all over the world, and they just don't understand that in Brazil we don't have the the money transfer kind of use case for crypto, right? The instant money transfer. Um, Pix took care of that. Pix is is actually a technology that's kind of based on blockchain, where you have the private keys and the public keys are exposed as a as your email or or CPF or whatever. Um, so Brazil is really this this interesting market where where uh, different types of technologies apply to the to use cases in Brazil than elsewhere in the world, right? So copycats in Brazil really don't go really far. But um, what what I think is interesting about this technology is um, I, I was just at East Denver um, last week, and there were two main topics, right? So zk rollups, which is really interesting for the you know the KYC part. Combined with uh, with uh, privacy, which is going to be really important because all of these wallets are currently transparent and and right, you don't want people seeing your your bank account, your bank statements, um, which is also going to be something that's interesting to integrate with the local CBDC in Brazil at some point, since it's uh, so so programmable or so composable with other technologies. Um, but I think the main topic that especially interests us at Fuse um, is the real world asset tokenization, right? So. Um, this has been kind of a, a ongoing kind of debate that uh, currently defies specifically the the products that are there. They're not very sustainable in terms of yield and returns, and and they're not a really um, good financial product, as we say, right? So um, the new CBDC opens the door for for real world assets to be tokenized and custodied on the on the blockchain in a more secure manner, right? Because um, since you have the regulation to do this and you're going to have institutional players starting to, to work with this technology, um, this opens the door for all assets um, that currently produce yield to be built on the backbone of the CBDC, right? So um, these can be uh, debt assets, credit assets. These can be commodities, which for Brazil is super important. Um, and, and using the rails of crypto, this opens the door for a huge flow of capital from abroad um, to access the Brazilian market without any any type of uh, of constraints or any type of uh, of, uh, of attrito, right? Of any any type of uh, of hurdle for this capital to access, right? So, I think this is the most uh, interesting part for us is. It's just that this technology opens this door, and uh, and and I'm I'm interested in seeing the types of companies that come up with interesting types of products to create yield for for the, the original consumer or the regular consumer, on top of the technology, 
and um, and the types of players on the institutional side, um, the banks, um, the the custodians um, that try to, that start to to adopt this uh, this new technology to to custody real world assets on the blockchain, and you know open the door for composability and new new things to be developed on top. I think that's the most uh, interesting thing about the the way that the central bank did this. And uh, again, we can only do this because we don't have the problem of money transfer. The money transfer problem is the most obvious one. And we also still don't have the problems like of, uh, of uh, dollarization, right, or savings in dollars. And uh, uh, something that's also interesting to mention is Brazil is a really high velocity um, currency, the BRL, right, because we don't have a really high savings rate. So uh, these were technologies that were needed along the way. Um, because of, of, of the characteristics of our econ economy in Brazil. So I think we are in a really in interesting spot and I'm really excited for what's, what's going to happen in the next years in Brazil. Yeah, I, I, that's a super interesting perspective. I really appreciate that. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, just coming from East Denver and you've kind of got your, your mind is sort of fresh with, you know, talks of, uh, you know, ZK rollups and privacy and, and how can all these things kind of be integrated into, uh, I, I mean, I guess when most people think of a CBDC, uh, you know, they don't, generally don't really have like the best sort of reputation in crypto where people think of these things as kind of like a boogeyman surveillance state tool type of thing. But it, it seems like what we have here is, I mean, there's a really interesting kind of hybrid between, uh, there's always in, in over the course of kind of, you know, blockchain history, there's always been this tension between kind of the, you know, the closed permission systems and the open systems. And they kind of, you know, the, the pendulum kind of swings back and forth, but and there's there's some attempts here and there to kind of merge the two, but they never really, you know, they never really get like adopted or for various reasons. Um, but I, I mean, Paulo, in your, in your view, I mean, do you see this as is this maybe kind of the potential sort of is this the marriage between kind of these two systems? Right. Is this is this is this have we maybe kind of are we hovering over the target here? Does that make sense? Well, I think every, everybody's trying to to learn together how to. Well, governments have tried to learn how, how they can just tap into all of these innovation inside crypto and bring into the financial system without bringing the risk as well, right? So it's interesting because we saw central bank just uh, learning, uh, publicly learning how they could do this, how how they reached this current design along along the, the, the past years. The, the central bank started, for example, talking about the CBDC as a retail CBDC. So uh, Campus Nato, Roberto Campus Nato, which is uh, the central bank uh, governor, said that he wanted to to the people to to use DeFi solutions, and that's why Real Digital was going to be launched. So he indicated several times that Real Digital was going to be a uh, retail CBDC. But along the way, they talking to banks, they started to to learn that this would just diminished so much the, the, the role of the banks in the uh, financial system and probably bring a lot of problems along the way. So they started to to uh, to bring up the, the idea to merge wholesale and retail CBDC. And it started to, to change last year. So it's not a new thing. Uh, so the central bank uh, talked a lot about this the last uh, Monday when they launched the pilot, but it's been a, a discussion since last year. I interviewed the Stellar CEO uh, last year during consensus in June last year. And by that time, she was already uh, praising the central bank uh, choose of design for, for the Real Digital, mainly because it wouldn't diminish the, the, the role of the banks in the intermediation of the economy. And 
uh, this week, Moody's already uh, was was praising this this uh, design as well. I have this. Well, I just cannot let I cannot not be a journalist, but let me quote the the Moody's. They said that by not allowing retail customers direct access to the CBDC, the central bank dampens the risk of deposit outflows from banks that could reduce funding availability for the financial system. So we're in Brazil in the, mer in the merge of a credit crunch crisis, right? So we have this Americanas uh, crisis, which is which was a really, really big retail company that just went burst in the, in the last month, last month or so. And we are in the merge of a credit crisis. And the last thing the central bank would, would want is to just to indicate that the real digital would have an impact on banks right now, right? So I guess... They are trying to bring bring innovation from from uh, uh, crypto industry, but try to diminish uh, as much as they can all the risks they may come with it. Is the the real digital project? Is this sort of striking like the happy medium between like bringing the disruption of crypto and like the potential of blockchain technology and tokenization with kind of sound principles of the existing financial system that we want to keep, basically. Right. Uh, are we are we striking kind of the happy, like the right medium here, the right balance? I think so. I think it's a pendulum, right? Um, you don't want to destroy the current system, but you want to evolve it, right? So you want to take uh, small steps in the in the right direction, and I, I see this as a as the step in the right direction. Um, something interesting is that this uh, central bank uh, has had this kind of uh, agenda of com increasing competitivity um, between the banking system, which has been very productive for the, the local market. So I understand the arguments of the, you know, the, the crypto hardcore or OGs where, you know, they are unbank yourself. And, and, uh, and, and the arguments there are pretty strong, actually, because If you take a look, all the, the decentralized kind of platforms, none of them went bust. Um, of course, you have the hacking, and, and that's what kind of breaks down that argument. Um, but uh, if you want to have this mainstream and have, you know, institutional capital, have real money going through through crypto, you know, have actually a billion users, which is what everyone talks about getting to, you have to, to have, you know, easy ways for this to to, to adapt to the, the current uh, financial system, right? Um This is something that I, I, I say all the time, you know, that regulation is always welcome. You know, they'll bring volatility. Um, you know, we care a little bit. Of, we don't care a lot about price. So we care more about the technology. And we think uh, regulation is super pro technology. Um, but uh, I'm always criticized for saying this by by the hardcores. Right. So people think crypto needs to be free. Crypto needs to be, you know, uh, individually controlled. Um, but we really have a vision that, you know, this technology can can really influence the, the current financial system in a positive way. Right. Um, and, and as Paulo said, um, in Brazil, we have, you know, this kind of liquidity crunch uh, with the Americanas uh, uh, event. But this is, has been happening globally. Right. Uh, we've, we've been taking a look at uh, regional banks in the U.S. And it's a been a big crunch there as well with the with the rise in interest rates. So. We feel that uh, that it needs to be one step at a time. Um, I, as you asked, I, I think this is the the right amount of uh, innovation um, for the banks, you know, to digest. You know, the, these are big banks. We're talking in Brazil. They have a slow turn, like turnover time for for implementing technology. They need to digest it and, and implement. So if if something it's something overwhelming, too much innovation, or you need to implement something that you know is ultimately against their financial interests. It's harder for them to adopt. So 
I think if you take it, uh, you know, like a medicine, a little pill at a time, it's easier for us to move in the right direction. And we feel that institutionally, this is the right direction for, for the market. And, and Paolo, in the course of your reporting, um, I mean, what's been the response from, from, from banks in Brazil, right? And, and I think maybe some context just around the history of the Brazilian banking system. I mean, it's been very kind of an oligopic system for some time. And only recently, until maybe 10, 15 years ago, we, we started seeing the rise of new bank and some other of these challenger banks, digital banks popping up that have, you know, partly at the, you know, at the spurring of the central bank, trying to introduce more competition. Obviously, when you're, you know, enjoying an oligopolistic system, you don't really want more competition coming in, right? Because you're doing pretty well as it is, right? So, uh, so is this a system that banks are, have been excited about? Are they kind of nervous about it? Are, do they really understand what's, what's going to be asked of them? Or how, or how, how are the banks, Maybe maybe a subsequent follow-on question, and maybe Juan would like to get you to weigh on this as well. But like, how does this kind of increase more competition in the Brazilian banking system writ large? But we'll turn over to you, Paulo first, and then Juan, if you want to weigh in. I think the well, I've talked recently to Federal Official, which is the banking association, uh, Federal Association Brazil, and well, uh, the banks say that they like innovation. Well, officially, they they say they are on board with all of this. Um, but then they say they didn't make as much money with with uh, transaction fee, for example. This why this is why they they were on board with Pix because they under they are understanding that these kinds of innovations are are important to bring more people into the financial system, and then they make money really with credit, right? So the more people enter the system, the more money they make with credit. So I think they are trying to to uh, come on board with, with Central Bank with the, all these innovations because they see this as an opportunity to just uh, uh, bring more people to banks, to, to the banks in general. And they, did, they lost a bit of, a, of revenue with, with fees, with, with PICS. For, for the people that, that don't know, PICS is a free you know, uh, uh, transaction method, instant payment method. So people, regular people don't, don't pay uh, for, uh, to, to send money. Uh, uh, companies do pay, but it's a lot less than before. So before, banks use, uh, used to to charge a lot for for simple transactions. That they don't do this right now anymore. But as I see, as some people uh, uh, from banks told me, they just are coping with with this uh, lost lost of uh, of revenue. Just trying to uh, expecting more people to enter the system, and that's uh, really what we saw in the last two years. To to in uh, uh, and a bit years since picks uh, went out, so a lot of people entered the system. Just uh, uh, they many millions of people just uh, made their first digital transaction for the first time using picks. So I guess, well, my 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 guess would be that they're they're expecting that this kind of movement will just continue uh, with Real, Real Digital. I mean, more people will just come on board and put more money into banks, and then the 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 credit, you know, the, the banks will make just more money with credit, right? So I guess they're trying to to, to balance the loss of fees with this. Yeah, just uh, on my side, uh, I think to be really frank and, and upfront, I, I think the banks, uh, you know, they, they are in a, in a position in Brazil, they were at least uh, before, you know, the, the fintech kind of revolution, very comfortable, right, position. Um, you had five big banks, uh, not a lot, they, they had a really... Uh, you know, advanced financial system, but a lot because of fraud, right? In Brazil, we had a really high level of fraud. And again, the velocity of money was super quick because we had really high inflation. 
Um, so, so they had this really advanced financial system. But when, when you talk about innovation of products to the, the retail customers, they were really lacking, right? Um, there was not a lot of innovation. So to be really sincere, I think the banks, uh, they, they, they're not uh, fully, you know, liking, you know, innovation because it's bringing more competitivity and it's bringing more people to the market. It's opening up the market, right, for other players. Um, but uh, I feel that they need to be on board and I feel that, that they need to, you know, get away from this comfortable position and start innovating themselves, right, and start doing M&A. And this heats up the market and it's good for the market for everyone, right? So I feel that, that the banks are, are, are you know, going along, you know, playing ball with the, with the central bank. In the end of the day, I think it's going to be good for everyone. But they kind of need to leave that, that comfortable position because other people are going to access the market. You're going to have other types of composability with, with this, uh, this new technology. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think in the end, uh, for them, it's, uh, it's maybe a little bit of a hard pill to swallow, but uh, it's good for them in the end, right? Yeah, and I think to the bank's credit, uh, a lot of these folks, the, the large, the large banks in Brazil, and especially the 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 kind of the, the digital banks, the new banks, have been pretty forward, progressive leaning on crypto, uh, you know, vis-a-vis, uh, you know, what we have in America and in Europe, uh, where you know it, it's they're they're offering, you know, or they're either offering or they're in the product of off, process of offering different, uh, you know, crypto brokerage services, you know, custodying services. Uh, Itaú is ramping up like a whole digital assets division. Um, like Banco do Brasil just announced that uh, they're going to facilitate like tax, you know, paying taxes in crypto. Uh, I'm not personally super excited with that use case, but you know, it's it's a step in the right direction. Um, so I think to their credit, you know, they have been kind of taking some steps in the right direction here. And I want I'd like to kind of maybe shift to to kind of the asset tokenization angle of this because. As we, we've mentioned before, like the you know the, the money transmission use case for crypto in, in Brazil is pretty much non-existent, right? And uh, even Roberto Campos Neto has mentioned this a bunch of times, where he really sees crypto and digital assets more as you know property or as investment products essentially. And and you, you do have a real uh, kind of booming asset tokenization. Uh, mar- well, I shouldn't say booming, but it's 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 like there's there's a lot of interesting things happening, right? People doing interesting experiments with tokenizing card, carbon credits or real estate or football clubs or, you know, all sorts of various things or, or you know, receivables and things, things that are, you know, generating, um, you know, generating yield, generating, um, you know, generating some returns and, and Brazilians, uh, you know, have an affinity for kind of fixed income products. And we'd love to, to kind of talk a bit about like what, t- what new types of, you know, when we're talking about like, you know, tokenization of the financial system, like what new types of products can we expect to see here or what types of products maybe that are, do you see that are maybe just being experimented with right now, uh, really kind of gaining some traction, uh, you know, if, if this digital rail kind of system works out, infrastructure works out the way that, uh, that it's being pitched initially. Um, João, do you want to go first and then would love Paulo to get your thoughts there? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, the, the tokenization market has been booming in Brazil. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of companies that are trying to address this problem on the use cases you mentioned. Um, what we see is that the tokenization is um, it's still kind of fragile because it depends on this tie between the the regular system and uh, the Web3 system, right, and crypto. Um, and this tie is usually done by contracts and, and that put that in place, right? And what we see with the with the how digital that can be possible is the, the real ownership on the blockchain by having an institutional custodian with fallbacks for that ownership, right? So 
if you had real ownership in the blockchain, let's say you had your, your real estate tokenized and, and the ownership was in the blockchain and you lost your keys. Well, <laughs> you lost your real estate if that was really tokenized and really on the blockchain and really, right, the ownership was there. So what you have currently is a, almost a synthetic um, to the, the assets, which is one-to-one with the, with the returns the asset is producing, which is okay. But what we see with this, you know, institutional framework that's being developed around the, the Halgital with companies already working on this um, is for you to have real ownership on the blockchain and a lot more security when you are transferring um, this asset around. Right. So let's say the real estate, um, when you transfer the tokens related to the real estate, you're just transferring the tokens. You still need to go on the on the other side on a cartori or a notary and register the transfer. So that's why I say it's a synthetic because you still have this Web 2 or Web 1 kind of a job you need to do to, to complete that transfer, right? So um, with this institutional framework, you could have that transfer work seamlessly by being recognized by the state um, as, a, as a digital asset and, uh, and digital ownership, right? So uh, we're really excited about this part. And I think uh, it's going to be extended to eventually to all asset classes. Um, of course, uh, everyone starts with financial asset classes. That's already a very digital um, asset class and very easily tokenized. So you talked about receivables. Um, we're actually working on a project where we are, um, you know, uh, creating a, a protocol to, to access receivables from Brazil, which is already digital. Everything is done through APIs. But eventually you are going to move on to, for example, um, agricultural assets or or assets that you know are very um they're organic and uh they're harder to represent on the blockchain in a, in a digital form but eventually the, te- the the technology will get there and we'll have these assets on on the blockchain so i think the just the the, the surface area um with the you know transfers and, and instant settlement and the trust that is uh kind of established on on chain um is going to to move all assets that we have um, on chain and, and increase the, the velocity of those assets and, and, and the, the openness of this asset for any investor in the world to invest in this. So this increases um, a lot of the competition and decreases rates for the, the end users um, in the end of the day, right? So um, whoever is, you know, the merchant that is tokenizing that, uh, that receivable in the end of the day, if they have access to global capital, more capital, the, the result of this is going to be lower interest rates, which is super good for our economy, who always had, you know, extremely high interest rates and, and you know, decreases the level of entrepreneurship. So uh, we see this as, a, as the, 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 the end game is having everything on chain, everything tokenized in an institutional um, um, fallback where people will have more trust on the system and it's going to be more secure for everyone to tokenize their assets. Hala, do you want to weigh in there? Well, I, maybe I just like to, to compliment on saying what a bit of context on why uh, this tokenized uh, assets thing it really makes makes a lot of sense in Brazil. Uh, uh, differently from other Latin America countries, the, the whole the whole uh, uh, use case of crypto being a payment system, you, as John already said, doesn't make much sense in Brazil. And also just to use crypto as, as a means of bringing dollars to the economy also doesn't doesn't attract the Brazilians. What, what, so it's natural that uh, this kind of innovation just moves towards uh, investment uh, vehicles. So uh, last year, I talked to, to people from El Salvador, for example, just to try to understand how the, the uh, Bitcoin crash uh, just in, impacted the, the, their day-to-day lives. 
and they just told me that it didn't impact anything because uh, Bitcoin they're just used for instant transactions. So they just convert everything to dollars, or and, and it's just that. So it doesn't matter the the, the price of Bitcoin. And it, this is something that, for Brazilians, the Brazilian perspective, just doesn't make much sense because to Brazil, crypto is just for investment. So this tokenization thing if is just eliminates intermediation in a way that you you uh, you save money in the process and make the final investment product more attractive to, to the end user to to the client. So. The Brazilian Brazilian people just—it's natural for them to uh, look uh, uh, to pay a bit more attention to tokenized assets if they offer a bit more uh, return uh, on the on their money. So it's really—you see, uh, today uh, fixed return products are really you know starting to grow right now, and it's not—it's—it's it's not a coincidence that um, Brazilians just like a, a lot more of these kind of products because they they see. Uh, investment opportunities as as a way of 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 adopting crypto as a as um as a means as a how can I say they are more easily convinced to adopt crypto if they can make a bit more money with it. So I guess this this would be a natural use case for Brazil. Yeah, and it seems like there there's a there's a nice product market fit there that you might not necessarily have in other markets, or it might it might take a bit. You know, there might you might need to induce people a bit more actively to actually you know use or purchase these products uh, than in Brazil, where people are already a bit more kind of have an eye toward these fixed income products. Um, one other, uh, Paulo, I wanted to just throw one other question at you uh, regarding the central banks. Uh, they have a kind of a it's called the Lift Lab, right? The, this innovation lab where they've been incubating uh some uh you know they've 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 chosen some various projects to basically build out kind of test use cases using uh this digital rail infrastructure and i was hoping you could tell us a bit about that and if there's any uh you know projects that have been involved in this that you find particularly interesting uh i know there's been things around um you know like like transferring kind of you know making like uh payments for cars or like settling transactions for 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 car titles and things like that um so, so I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about that. And then, uh, Joan, if you want to weigh in on that too, uh, we'd love to get your thoughts there as well. But let's start with Paulo. Yeah, sure. So uh, Central Bank just chose uh, nine different projects to to uh, try to come up with different use cases for Real Digital. So uh, uh, just, I, I think I, the way I see is just they're trying to show uh, test the technology and at the same time just to show the population on why they're developing this and how this will, uh, will be used on their day-to-day -day lives, right? So I guess two main pro two projects just come to my mind that are really interesting. One is from a securitization firm called Vert. They, they, are, they started to test how tokenized real could be used to uh, stimulate the banks to offer more credit to so rural activities you know to just to to agricultural uh, activities so they created a platform where you can use the money you got you you borrowed only to to buy uh, certain products related just uh, fertilizers and other products related with that activity because today the credit for that for that sector is just not that much available because they're re they really have um many many struggled a lot of struggle to audit all the the expenses from from the companies that that borrow the money so it's a, a great use case for brazil which is a very uh, it's a very it's agricultural 
uh, you know, uh, juggernaut in the world. So if you have the possibility just to increase credit for this kind of t activity, I guess it would be more, uh, it's a, a, a great motive for people just to, to come on board with all, all this real digital thing. And another project from Tech Band, which is a, a ATM uh, um, company, which is curious, right? Because uh, Real Digital is a completely digital money and uh, ATM company, which believes that the physical money will not uh, will not go away anytime soon, just came on board and uh, they they came up with this solution to use tokenized money, you know, digital money, Real Digital, whatever, just to uh, make uh, online purchases more secure. Though they just they came up with this smart locker that when you open the locker and take out your and take your 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 purchase, your product that you bought, and then a, a smart contract just triggers and sends the money to the the to, to the storage to to the the sender uh, the seller, right? So I guess it's a good example on how uh, uh, how things out of the financial system, you know, just it's an e-commerce e thing, can really benefit from the real digital. So Central Bank is going to uh, is going to have an event in April right now, the, the, the lift day, we, when they will just disclose all of their findings on all of these nine projects uh, that were selected last year. It, it began September last year, and you have many companies like Visa, Aave, you know, many, many big companies just, just trying to, to experiment with this. I, I'm really looking forward to, to this event, actually. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you have a mix of, uh, you know, kind of TradFi companies, you have a mix of kind of fintech companies, and then also just pure crypto, like uh, like Aave for, or, or Stellar or, or some of these other folks. Uh, so the, the the cohort that they selected was really interesting. Just just on the on the, the makeup, the demographics of the people that they select or the groups that they selected to be involved, that was really interesting. Uh, Joan, did you have anything you wanted to weigh in on? Uh, have you been following any of these projects at all? Uh, um, actually, my partner Dan is a uh, is a part of it. Um, I haven't followed them a lot, but uh, what I think it's interesting to mention is that uh, like the sandbox model that I think was initially kind of uh, developed by the CVM, which is the local SEC. Uh, something that's been very productive for the market, right? We had this in, in the insurance sector. We had this, uh, of course, in the regulatory sector and now in the central bank. So I think this is a model that came up in Brazil that really, you know, drives innovation um, because they are exempt for a bunch, from a bunch of uh, regulation. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that we should keep forward. Um, on the sandbox proje projects, uh, what I think it's interesting to look at is uh, how these projects are actually building on top of, right, not, not just on top of the real digital, but how are they opening the doors for people to build on top of them, uh, actually implementing composability, right? So on the locker example um, that Paulo, Paulo gave um, from the, 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 um, the ATM company, um, it's interesting to understand how people can build different products on top of that money release for the, for the, for the store. So can you implement a credit strategy there, you know, instead of paying, you know, D zero, can you implement some type of credit strategy for the, the user to pay, you know, installments, which is so common in Brazil. So that can be a totally different company. So all of these open the, just, you know, these nine companies open the doors for, you know, another, you know, 20 companies probably to build on top of them and create other, other implementations. Um, and I think that's super productive. Great. Super helpful. Thank you for that context. Um, 
wanted to, we've got about like, you know, 10 minutes ish here left. And I wanted to, to shift over and just talk a bit more about, you know, some of the, we've been trying to talk about like, what are some of the benefits of this and what are, you know, how is the financial system going to benefit? How is, how is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and the, 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 kind of the startup ecosystem perhaps going to benefit from this, but I'd like to maybe talk a bit more about some of the, you know, do something of a cost and cost benefit analysis here. Uh, it's obviously with every, every new innovation, like there's always gonna be some winners, there's gonna be some losers. Um, you know, especially when, you know, the government is driving, you know, sort of innovation policy, um, you know, for better or for worse, kind of is what it is, but there's always gonna be some winners, there's always gonna be some losers. Right. And it, it may be too early to really like identify any of this, you know, uh, super closely, but would love to just kind of think about what are some of the, the costs that might be incurred here. Um, you know, obviously like with something like PICS. Uh, PIX has been a phenomenal success, um, but uh, you know, Paul, as you mentioned earlier, banks have been incurring you know fewer uh, uh, you know revenue in, in the form of transaction fees as a result of PIX. Um, consumers are potentially uh, you know they're using it, they like the product, uh, but now your your financial data is just a lot more available and sort of I guess surveillable, controllable uh, via the central bank. Uh, there's a choke point there, right? Like you can't, you know, you can only spend certain amount of money, you know, after like midnight, for example. Um, some of this is for safety precautions, right? In case you get mugged on the street, they can't, you can't, you know, the robber can't just take all, like drain your bank account via picks, right? So there is, there is some, you know, some, some safety precautions there. But at the same time, there is that you do have sort of the central bank as this choke point that's sort of intermediating your, your financial activity. Just thinking maybe in terms of the, the various stakeholders here, you have kind of the large banks, you have maybe like larger companies, you have kind of smaller startup companies, you have retail users. We'd love to kind of go down the line here and just, you know, maybe do just kind of a brain dump here. What are some of the, uh, you know, who are some of the winners and losers here? What are some of the costs and benefits? Um, I guess I'll toss that to whoever wants to take it. I can take it. No worries. Right. <laughs> no, but I think the this is it's kind of easy because, the, the losers are the ones that hold the biggest part of the pie, right, today. So the losers are, are the banks, right? But it, it's just a temporary volatility, I think. Uh, it's just for them to adapt and also kind of innovate and implement this kind of entrepreneurial mindset um, and implement new products because they have the best, you know, market advantage to implement new products on top of this. So um, I, I think in the, in the end of the day, the, the market is opening up for more competitivity. The biggest winner for sure is the consumer. So the consumer is going to have access to more products, cheaper products, um, more flow of capital. So so products are going to get cheaper along the way. But the banks, right, uh, initially they lose because they have a, a position that uh, that they can they can only lose because they are so big. Right. So um, I think uh, it's a, an adaptation. It's a process. And, you know, we have to trust uh, this process. I understand the, the mindset of the central bank that is trying to implement, you know, new products, new competitivity, bringing more capital. So this is beneficial for the whole system on the long run. But initially, I think the banks are going to have some volatility and, and have to adapt. And, and, and if they are successful in implementing kind of this, this entrepreneurial mindset, they're going to be super successful because they have the biggest share of the pie, right? So my, 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 my view is a little bit on, on top of that. Well, um, as I said, Brazil, Brazil, Brazilian people are just, they like technology a lot, but at the same time, Brazil is a very unequal country, right? So you have so many people that are not really, you know, into, into they, 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 don't, they don't have access to technology as well. Uh, it's very, you know, uh, uh, it's changing, changing very rapidly. 
but I think I'm afraid that maybe the, all these innovations will also at the same time open doors for many more scams that are very common in Brazil, right? So I'm just curious to know how scammers are going to, you know, use all this innovation and change all the many things changing at the same time just to trying to 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 tap into the all the all of the doubts among among the people, the regular people that are just not following all the all the innovations as we are, for example, uh, uh, us three. And so I, I'm afraid we'll have uh, many problems on, uh, you know, scams and people just not understanding what's the difference between real digital and pigs, the regular money, digital money, uh, and and all the all the the drawbacks that can come from this regarding uh, scams and people getting you know just losing their money um so uh, yeah that's something that really really will uh, we'll just we'll just see but considering the the history from uh, scams in brazil i guess it'll certainly be a problem we have to face yeah I mean, that's a really good point and it's one i hadn't hadn't even thought of yet to be honest i mean i mean you have uh, Brazil generally does have a financial education gap, right? Uh, there, I mean, there's 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 inequality both in terms of income and wealth, but also just in terms of education. Um, even you know, even people who are you know educated, college educated, like the financial literacy is not like amazingly high, right? And you do see a proliferance of these kind of like Bitcoin pyramid schemes that are that are you know, I mean, I've covered some of these things in my recent art. I mean, they're just like obviously pyramid schemes, and people keep you know investing in them. Um, and I think, you know, if, if the three of us, I mean, we're in this industry full time, right? And we're sitting here trying to like wrap our heads around like, what the heck is this digital real stuff? Uh, you know, how is, you know, how is somebody who's, not, you know, just barely even heard of any of these concepts going to catch on and, and understand the difference? Yeah, the difference between all these things. Like we're sitting here wondering, well, what's the difference between digital real and pics? And like, why do you even need the two if, if we already have one? Um, so that's a really interesting point, I, and I feel like that's there's not really an easy sort of answer to that question, unfortunately. But, um, but I think, but I do think you're you're right in the sense that Brazilians, like, kind of the 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 superpower of Brazilians is that they that they're like early adopters of all these technologies, right? They figure out how to use these things, like they're really good about like finding technologies to like work around bureaucracy, right? So, um, you know, instead of you know you know, going to the store to get a bank note and then or get, a, get like a boleto payment, a uh, little payment slip and have to do the QR and you know, all these things like, oh, let's just use pics. It's like a lot easier, right? So people are pretty good at finding ways around these things, but people are also very good at like exploiting these things to create scams and sort of get rich quick schemes and that type of thing. But <laughs> anyway, it's, it's sort of, I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that question, but that, that is an important point that I, I honestly haven't really thought about yet with regards to digital real. Um, Aaron, just on that, um, that's, as I mentioned, like that, the Brazilian financial system is a lot more involved than other systems in the world because of that amount of scams, right? So that in the end of the day, and, and, and for, for the pigs, actually, um, there's also this, because of scams, banks actually developed a new product, which is like pigs insurance. So <laughs> you see how, how the wheel kind of turns in brazil and i'm pretty sure it's going to be the same with uh, how digital you're going to be scams um for sure um people are going to going to lose money but i think you know the system's going to adapt and evolve again uh, as we have evolved in the past um to create you know the safety nets for for retail users who need them absolutely um all right well 
let's wrap it up here. I mean, we'd love to just get, you know, some final thoughts from, from both of you and then, and then we'll wrap it up. Paolo, do you have anything else you wanted to add or any, any, any other, any other thoughts that have been sort of percolating in your mind here as throughout this conversation? I think I'm uh, during 2023. I'll just uh, I'll be looking forward to to see how banks are going to, you know, uh, pressure the central bank and try to to uh, change the the CBDC project the, their own way. We see a little bit of that in, in or that in peaks because central bank tried to make peaks uh, free for everyone, including companies, and the banks just say, "Hey, wait a minute." We have to 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 be to have the right to charge companies use picks, and then they changed it a little bit. So I'm just curious to see how banks are going to to you know uh, uh, influence central bank and try to change a little bit the, the, the CBDC projects in, in their own way. But yeah, I think we're all going to learn a lot about this during this year. João, any final thoughts from you? Oh man, I'm just uh, excited for this year. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year for Brazil. Um, I see a lot of international interest for Brazil, um, especially you know having talked talked to a lot of companies o- abroad. Um, I understand this point Paulo made that's a kind of a tug of war between right um, the banking sector and the central bank. But I think we just need to applaud the central bank for the right all all of these initiatives that that uh, Roberto Campuzinato has promoted. So. Um, I think uh, I'm excited for you know his his uh, final two years in term, um, and I think there's still a lot to come, a lot that he can accomplish. So I think it's a excellent time to be a Brazilian investor in this sector, and the opportunities are going to be you know amazing, right? So I think I, I'm just excited. I, I think it's going to be a great year. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much to both of you for joining, and um, we will include some some links to your respective profiles so folks can find you, folks can reach out to you. Um, and I really appreciate all of your time and thanks everyone for listening we'll be back soon Obrigado everyone and thanks for listening please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already and please do give the show a 5 star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content we'll be back soon with another great guest